Hope you're enjoying the rain. I sort of have been. We're spoiled here. You know, it rains for a day or two, and then all of a sudden you're like, give me a break, huh? <laughs> I, I grew up here in Southern California, so I'm a problem. <laughs> I know we need the rain for sure. Uh, I'd like to pray before we dig into the message this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you. We welcome you here. We honor your presence among us. And we, we praise your holy name. We thank you for who you are and how much that matters to us. And I pray that you give clarity this morning as we're looking at uh, what Scripture says about you and your character and nature. Help us to understand it uh, more clearly. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, we're wrapping up the series today that we've called Everything. We just sang a song that can give the wrong impression. It says, you are everything. Uh, we sang that a few times. And uh, we're going to find out in this message how to understand those words to that song. So that's, that's something that's going to come out later. Um, what, what we're saying is, he isn't everything. Like, he's not this chair, he's not this, the wall, he's not us. There is, a, there is a stream of thought that believes that. But what we're saying is, you, you are everything to us. We want you to be everything. We want to lean on you for everything that goes on in our lives. So we're going to dig that out of Scripture and find out uh, who he is more related to that. That's what we've been doing in this series. We've been going to the Bible to find out what God says about himself, uh, his nature, his character, because we want to understand more of who he is and why it makes such a difference in our lives. It's interesting. I, I found out about Pandora about a month ago. I'm old, so I'm a little late. Uh, I've been listening to it, but it has commercials every once in a while. And uh, there's commercial for XL nachos. And I have this habit of talking to the radio or talking to the TV. You know, my kids make fun of me, but I, I talk back and I respond. And it says, <clears throat> it asks this question at the very beginning in a radio announcer voice, which I wish I could do. Which is bigger? <laughs> okay, I wouldn't even try. Which is bigger, XL nachos or the Big Bang? If you said the big, if you said XL nachos, then you need to go back to grade school. <laughs> Because the universe is infinite. Interesting comment. Okay, saying something about the universe. Actually, science believes that the universe started with a big bang and is winding down. And it is not. It is finite. So, interesting commercial. If you said XL nachos, then you need to go back to grade school. <laughs> That question matters. The truth is that God is infinite. And it really has to be that way. And we're not here to talk about all that. But it has to be that way for us to experience the world that we live in. Uh, he has to be infinite. And the universe that he's made has to be finite uh, if that's the case. So... We want to be careful. That's why I talk to the radio and the TV, because I try to be careful about what I soak in from the things that I hear in the media. And we need to be careful to understand who God really is, what Scripture really says about Him, because 
ideas trickle down into the way we live. They start, in the, obviously, in our mind, in the way we think. But they trickle down into the way we live and make a tremendous impact on the way that we approach life. Let's take a moment for a brief recap of where we've been. We said uh, that we're talking about who God is, that it really matters. It means everything to us. The Bible tells us, first of all, that God is love. First week, that's what we looked at. He is the source of love. There would be no love in the world if the Creator wasn't loving. So we experience love because this, this is who He is. He is loving God. Knowing God's love, getting in touch with Him, which He's given us the opportunity to do, uh, changes me and the way I relate to others. That's, that's why it matters. Week two, we looked at the fact that God is all-powerful and found out faith is the gateway for God's power. Uh, We can rely on God to help us with our challenges uh, in life. Last week, we looked at how God is all-knowing. Nothing surprises God. No twists and turns in our lives ever surprise Him. He has complete understanding and knowledge of everything that's going on in the world. We can trust Him, then, to guide us with His Knowledge is amazing knowledge. As we wrap up the series today, uh, we're going to look at how important it is to know that that God is personal and his character can't be divided into little pieces like a slice of pie. It's just it just can't with dessert. You know, you can choose the slice of pie, how big it is, its size, uh, the flavor you want, you know, chocolate cream pie or blueberry. I like blueberry pie a lot. Um, and um, I might, if I had that option, I'd pick it. Sorry, I got carried away there. Now I'm getting hungry. Oh, okay, I'll get back. Um, anyway, you choose your slice of pie. But wherever God is, he is all there because he's a person. Wherever you are, you're all there. God, God is a personal God. So wherever he is, we don't experience just a slice of his character, but all of him, his love, his power, his knowledge, his wisdom. We, we experience all of him. Uh, he can't be fully understood. I wouldn't want a God that I could fully understand, that I could put in a box and really, hey, okay, this is God. Because we need a God bigger than us who's difficult to understand. But we can't understand enough about him to get to know him. He's not a moving target that delights in our frustration over lack of understanding. He's made himself known to us in scriptures and through the person of Jesus Christ, clearly. And he wants us to know him and learn his ways, understand how he works, and he, he made this possible by giving us Scripture. So that's, that's why we get into it every week. We get into the Bible because this is how we learn who God is and His ways and more about Him. Today, we're going to look at the fourth key characteristic of who God is. And this is that He is fully present everywhere at all times. He's everywhere at once at all times. We're going to talk a little bit about how that could be. But in theological studies, this is called God's omnipresence. He is all-present. He's everywhere at once. So God is all-loving. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He is omniscient, all-knowing. And he's everywhere at once in all of his unique character. 
All of him is there. <clears throat> this turns out to be a very good thing. But try to get your mind around that, what we're talking about. As we learn more about what God is like, it makes it easier for us to trust him, to rely on him. As we learn uh, more about him, we're freed up in many, many ways. So that's why we're digging into this. Last week, we looked at Psalm 139. And at the beginning of that psalm, it describes God's complete knowledge. The fact that he, he, he's all-knowing. He sees what's going on in the world. Nothing escapes his notice. There's no way to hide from him. In the same passage, David, the greatest king in the history of Israel, who was a man of God, uh, described as a man after God's own heart, moves on to describe how God knows everything and how God's presence is everywhere. So let's take a look at 7 through 10, verse 7 through 10, or 7 through 12, actually, in Psalm 139. It says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. The psalm tells us some very important things about God. The first one you gather is that God is spirit. Jesus said this in John 4.24. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He's spirit. He doesn't have a body like you and I. Um, that we know a person in a body. That makes sense to us. We can see them. Um, we're limited in our bodies by time and space. We, we can't imagine otherwise, but God's not limited by that. He's spirit. He, he's he moves wherever he wishes. And the spirit of God, as you get into scripture, is compared uh, to wind by Jesus himself. You, you can hear the wind, but no one can see it. We see the effects of the wind. Um, and honestly, it's tremendous. It, it really whipped up. I think it was Friday. I looked out at my avocado tree, my little young number five avocado, avocado tree that I'm trying to grow. And it was just... I was like, oh, hope this thing's all right at the end of this. You, you can see the effects of the wind in tornadoes and hurricanes. I mean, nobody doubts that wind exists, but we can't see it. In John 3, Jesus said, you can't see the spirit working, but like the wind, you can sense it. You can see the effects of what he does. You can see the results. This is how we know God's presence on earth. The effects of his presence, the, the effects of his existence are real, and the power is real, and his presence is real. But even the wind analogy isn't adequate uh, to really describe the presence of God who, who lives outside of the time-space dimension that we're bound in. Scripture actually says we need help from God to understand this, to, to see this, to know this. We need his help. And, and so we can seek him in it. Um, but it's, it's difficult to understand. We can't see God. We can't see his shadow. We 
can't see any footprints in the sand that he leaves there. There's no fingerprints on the doorknob. We, we can't see him. And there's this dimensional barrier that prevents us from seeing supernatural realities. Uh, God is in the here and now. But we're separated by this, by this barrier. In order for us to see God face to face, the veil, this dimensional veil has to be lifted. And on a few occasions in Scripture it was. And there's a story in St. Kings 6 that you can read where it was lifted. And interesting story, but I'll, I'll let you check that out yourself. But Elisha the prophet had this sense that God was there. His servant didn't. And he said, God, would you open his eyes and help him to see what's going on? God lifted the veil and he saw the angel armies. We're going to sing about angel armies in, in, the, next, in the next song. And uh, he was able to see that through this veil, uh, one day we're going to see. The veil is going to be lifted when we move into eternity. But right now, we can't. We can't see it. We can only know God by the results, the effects of his existence. Verses 8 through 9 go on to declare that he is fully present everywhere. David mentions that there's nowhere in the universe he can go to step out of God's presence. God, God's there. The word immensity is used uh, when we describe God. Because in this sense, it describes the truth that wherever God is present, he is fully present. He's all there. This means that God is present in the fullness of his being. Now, some people get this confused with pantheism. Uh, the fact that God is everywhere at once. And that's actually a stream of thought, as I mentioned at the beginning of the message. That's a stream of thought in the world today. Um, basically, this means God is everything. He's in everything. I'd like you to listen to Hugh Jackman when he was a younger man. Trying to get his hands around... God and who he is uh, in this interview. Let's listen to it or watch it. God is God is us and is not us. It's inside you and me and is outside of you and me. It is everything. I, I, I struggle with the concept. I understand the concept that everything around us is an illusion. I struggle with that because... It feels really real to me and the pain and the thoughts and the mind feels incredibly real but I think I get a glimpse of what that is. Uh, scientifically, microscopically we can look so close to see there is movement that I can't see movement now and your body looks incredibly real but there is movement but I just think the truth is that God, consciousness is what binds all of this together. Everything. And really, through all our ideas, it's quite simply what a gift this creation is. Everything about it. Whether it be times where you're hurting or... This human experience is amazing. It is here to be enjoyed. Not just the happy times, but even somehow the sad times are here to be experienced and fully experienced. And I think this creation has been given us to enjoy and uh, I think that if we do that's probably about as close to God as we can get 
I think that's fascinating. Here, here he is. He's struggling to figure out who is God, what is he. He, he actually refers to God as an it. God in Scripture is very personal. He does get some things right about God. Uh, creation has been given to us to enjoy. There's a passage in Scripture that says he, he, God made all this stuff for us to really enjoy. This is the heart of God. God's love. He's loving. He cares for us. He wants us to enjoy the world. But Hugh Jackman, I don't want to call him Hugh. I don't know him that well. But uh, I don't know him at all, actually, just in case you're wondering. We haven't had coffee in quite some time. Um, But anyway, he's struggling to make some sense about what what is God is would be his question. Um, And some of the thoughts he has are key thoughts in Western or Eastern religions in in, in the East in India. I visited there a couple times. Uh, They say namaste. That's their greeting. It means I bow to the God within you. That's that's their belief that God lives in us. If if I'm God, we're in trouble. But that's that's a that's a belief today. And it's it's something people live out that that understanding of who God is. Impacts the way you live. Jackman says God is everything. That's not what you find in Scripture. That's not what the Bible says. A pantheistic view teaches that God is everything. He's the trees. He's the mountains. He's us. He's the chair. He's the wall. But the Bible teaches that God is everywhere, but he's distinct from the creation he's made. He's separate. He is not the creation that he's made. So God is present with us right now, but he is not us. He is not the chair. He is not the wall. He is a person separate from the creation itself. So when we look at the fact that God is omnipresent, he's all present, he's everywhere at once, at all times, all of who he is, because he's spirit, people in Diamond Bar and people in San Diego, people in New York, people uh, in London can all enjoy the fullness of the presence of God at the same time. Just like I am standing in your presence. I don't know how many people are here this morning, but I'm in a group of people. I'm in the presence of everyone in this room all at once. God is big enough to be in the presence of everyone on the face of the earth all at once. That's, that's what the scripture is saying. You're immediately in my presence and vice versa. God is so immense that everyone on the earth can be immediately in his presence all at once. He can see it all. He knows what's going on. The psalm goes on to say that God's available to help. This is really good news. Like, like I said, God is, is there in all this person wherever you are. And this is a truth that can bring great comfort to us. If we bring this to mind when needs arise, we can turn to him because he's right there in, in everything that he is. Have you ever been stuck and not been able to get a hold of somebody you need to help? I have, you know, it's a bad feeling. Like in the days of before cell phones, it happened more regularly where, you know, you just can't, I'm stuck here. I need, I need somebody to bail me out, but it looks like I'm going to be here for hours and hours without help. Um, that happens. But with God, David says, 
God is always there to lend a hand if we turn to him. David says that God's hand is able to lead us. It's available to lead us, which means he has the ability to guide and to hold us. This has to do with the ability to comfort. He, he can help in your fears. He, he can help as you struggle with the things. But he's not going to just step in and rescue. He waits to be invited in. It's the way God is. He waits for us to invite him in. It's reassuring, though. To know that God is big enough that I never have to stand in line to meet with him. I I never have to have an appointment to get his attention. He, he He is always there, available to help. This means God's able to stand above the universe and watch what's going on everywhere at once and fill the universe with his presence at the same time. It's kind of mind boggling. We don't get that. But practically, it means with God, I can have his undivided attention at exactly the moment I need it, and you can have his undivided attention at the same exact time. He's not overwhelmed. He's not distracted. Like we can be. He's fully present with us all. Now, why does this matter? It's what we've been doing in this series, looking at who God is, character, nature, and then Asking the question, why does it matter? It matters because God is always there for us. We are never alone. God in every aspect of his perfect nature is with us. Wherever we are, God is there. And we should remember his love is unfailing and will not waver. So wherever we are, God is and he's there. He loves us. He wants to help. His power is immense and will work to fulfill his promises and what he wills to do in the, the moment. So if we in our circumstances line up, set our heart to do what he wants, he's going he's gonna to work to accomplish his purpose in our lives. And that's a real privilege to be involved in. He's never surprised by any twist or turn in our lives. Never. And so he's prepared to help and to guide in a moment's notice. God is always present. Our problem is that we don't always realize it. I love the story of Jacob in uh, this, the scriptures uh, in the early, earlier portion of the Bible in Genesis. Uh, it records a very dramatic moment when Jacob uh, met God in a, in a dream and God revealed himself and his purpose to Jacob. And God makes a promise to Jacob that the area he was traveling in would be given to Jacob's offspring. Uh, You can read about the the dream in Genesis 28. It's pretty cool, Uh, but you can check that out. But for my purpose today, I want to look at Jacob's response. He, he, He gets this vision from God. God promises him that he's going to get the land. And this is what he said. Surely the Lord is in this place, but I did not know it. That's what Jacob said in Genesis 28:16. The fact is, God is always present in our lives. Our problem is, we don't always know it. We don't always see Him in the middle of what's going on. But some people, you may know some, like this, they, they see God's presence and work in their lives more than others. 
Why, why do you think that is? I, I don't mean those who hyper-spiritualize things like God told me to wear purple pants and red socks. God has better taste than that. Actually, he, he blends colors very well. <laughs> you can see it in what he's made. I'm not talking about people who say, you know, God told me to have a Big Mac, not a quarter pounder. I mean, sometimes you can hyper-spiritualize. But what I'm saying is, there are people, you get around them, and you realize they're in tune with what God's doing in their heart and life. They're in touch with Him. They, they are dealing with situations, they're dealing with relationships, they're handling responsibilities, and there's this sense that they're cooperating with God. How, how does that happen? A.W. Tozer said the difference in these folks is this. They have acquired a lifelong habit of spiritual response. In other words, the difference is that some folks have given themselves over to God to follow Him no matter what, to follow His way. And they've learned to recognize His presence and work in their lives, and they're ready to respond to His direction in a moment's notice. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. I will not leave you. He's talking to the disciples that had followed Him. Uh, he was about to die and be resurrected. It says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus says that God's people, those who trust Him with their lives and follow Him, will be able to see or recognize His presence in the world. You know, even a, a young child uh, who's lost and is frantically searching for their, their parents, they, they recognize them quickly. They hear their voice, they recognize them. God's children are the same. They have the ability to see what God's doing. How do we learn to recognize God and what He's doing in our lives? How is it that we learn to do that? First of all, we need to establish a habit of obedience. And this is the verse following the ones that I just read. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them and does them and obeys them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I, I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is how you see, manifest. You'll see God at work. As you set your heart to obey. Now, I've seen a few toddlers um, waddle up to a stranger's, grab their pant leg, and look up and be horrified that they ended up with the wrong adult person. <laughs> you know, I've never seen a teenager do that. Never. It just doesn't happen. Why is that? They've grown more sophisticated in recognizing who their parents are and who they're not. And that's what happens as we obey God. So we get into the Bible and we, and we follow it and we do it and we keep the Word of God, we begin to understand how God works more and more. And this is the key to recognizing what He's doing in your life and situations. The way we grow more sophisticated is knowing how God works by getting into the Bible, His Word. This is what Jesus is saying here. It's not some mysterious thing that we can't understand. 
But Tozer said it's a lifelong habit of spiritual response. The spiritual response is you're in this situation and you learn more and more what God would want you to do in that situation. As you do it, you sense his power to help you do it. That, that's how you learn to, to gain the spiritual ability to hear him and to see that he is with you and working his plan on your behalf. Second way we learn to recognize him is to, to reject fear and ask God for help in the moment. Uh, fear can drive us in many directions. The enemy, Satan, he wants to drive us away from God. So uh, he wants to use fear to traumatize us, to put up a barrier between ourselves and God, to try to handle situations without his help. God wants us to turn to him, the one who has the power to help and loves us enough to do it. Listen to Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Sometimes my insides are churning with fear. I, especially, here's, here's an instance that happened this week. I, I've made some plans, laid them all out, and somebody questioned my plans. The problem wasn't that they had a question. The problem was, I think, oh, no, they might be right. <laughs> so I made these plans. I'm executing the plan, and I'm thinking, oh, no. You know, what's going to happen? When my fear ramps up, I can actually reject it. I, can, I need to acknowledge it. God, I am afraid. I, this is scary. I may have blown it. This may not be a good plan. But, but will you help me here? Will you help me, first of all, look at the situation with as, as much objective ability as I can to see what's going on and then make good decisions from here forward. Would you help me, God? And he will help. We, we grow in our ability to see God work in our lives as we constantly welcome God's presence in our life and walk by faith. This is how it works. Clouds right now uh, out there. That's a beautiful view. I was really hoping it'd clear up before this morning. I love looking out those, those windows and seeing the mountains. But the clouds right now are a veil for the mountains. It's going to be an amazing view when they clear up majestic, really. We know that they're there. We know the mountains are there because we've seen them before. Faith is knowing God is there, even, even if we haven't seen him with our eyes. The scripture says that now we see through a mirror dimly, but when we move into eternity, we're going to see him face to face, and that is going to be magnificent. But now it requires faith to walk with God and to trust him and to learn him. If you're new to walking with God, uh, I would encourage you to ask him. Just, just ask him, to show, God, would you show yourself to me? Would you show me that you're there? Would you reveal yourself to me so I can begin to understand it? And I'd encourage you to, to keep coming back and digging into uh, what the scripture says about him with us. Uh, we learn to see what God is doing as we step out in faith to obey what he says to do in handling the flow of life. And, and then as we do that, we discover he loves us and he rewards our obedience. He's powerful enough to help us to do his will and fulfill his purpose in the moment. 
Whatever that purpose is. To be the parent He wants you to be. To be the person at work that He wants you to be. To be the friend. Whatever His purpose in your friendships, in your family life, at work, in handling your response, whatever His purpose is in it, He's going to help you do that if you rely on Him. If you get to know Him in Jesus Christ and rely on Him. He's never surprised by anything that's going on in your life and He gives the exact guidance you need right in the here and now. He's there in all of who He is. God invites us to know Him. We've been looking at these characteristics of God. His nature, who He is, what He's like. He invites you and I to know Him. And He wants us to have a friendship with Him through Jesus Christ as we admit our sin before Him, as we ask Him to come into our life and lead us and guide us. He does that. He will do that. That's His invitation to us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the truth that You've given us in Scripture that lets us know who You really are. And I pray that, God, uh, you, You would help us more and more Uh, to see what you're doing in our lives, to understand who you are and how you're working and how we can cooperate with you. Fathers, you've laid uh, steps of obedience on our heart and mind today. I pray that you give us the power to step out and do those, that you'd be honored and pleased and glorified. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to be receiving our offering in a few minutes, so take this.